Hey, what's going on? This is the Reluctant Vegan Sun Podcast you're listening to. And on this episode, I'm Adam, the Reluctant Vegan Sun, and joined by Nikki once again as we talk about our own personal comfort foods and how being vegan, you can still have these amazing comfort foods. Whatever you consider comfort food is, whether it's food from your youth, fried foods, things that you just want to eat, and there's all these limitless possibilities while you're vegan. And so we talk about this. So hope you enjoy. Before quarantine, I was on spring break in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I was drinking, I was smoking, don't catch me FBI, I was living life. I thought I had a great time. I was eating a shit ton of fast food. Quarantine hit, I came home, my family is vegan. I became the reluctant vegan son. This is my podcast talking with my friends and family about food, veganism, all types of things, whatever the fuck comes up and I love it. So, hit the music. What is up, everybody, and welcome to this 33rd episode of the Reluctant Vegan Sum Podcast. I am Adam. Yeah, 33. Trace. Oh, dos tres. Two threes. Three and a three. Who was a famous athlete with the number 33 on? Was Scotty number 33? I feel like Scotty Pippen was 33. Hmm. Was Scotty uh, Pippen 33? I don't know. But uh, I, think he, I think he was 30. Yeah, he was 33. So this is the Scotty wow. Pippen episode. Yeah. Scotty, if you're listening, okay? Yeah. I know that you want to you know, live the best lifestyle you can and that you would love hanging out with the reluctant vegan, vegan son and his mom. Totally. Uh, I wonder if Scotty Pippen's vegan. I, I have probably not. I have no. You never idea. know. A lot of athletes are vegan, and they're doing pretty That's well. That's true. I mean, he's retired. He's uh, won six championships, and mm. yeah, good for him. So this is the Scotty Pippen episode. I'm. I don't know. I think that's a good idea. Find an athlete. I'm big into sports. Who is like this is the best player at this number? Or the person that I think of when I think of that number. Wow. So, Scotty Pippen, yeah. episode thirty-three. Thank you all for listening. I'm here with uh, <laughs> Nikki. Yeah. Non-reluctant mm-hmm. vegan mom. Yeah. Uh, I like fully that. vegan mom, fully vegan out there. Uh, so vegan, she goes to Q's mom. What's Cubes. Q's mom? Cubes. Oh, to Cubes. I yeah, don't if people you, know what Cubes are. If you see somebody with a sign saying animals, this is murder or like videos, she's like Peter Light. <laughs> I'm definitely PETA like because I don't really like PETA's ad campaign. They're, they ad tend campaign to be very misogynistic. Yeah. PETA's pretty bad, but she's PETA light. If you see her in Union Square, say hi. It's uh, only uh, when shit. I'm not in Nome, Alaska. That's Although, true. That is true. They're, they're probably not doing it anymore because of COVID. I think they are doing it. I think they're wearing masks and trying to figure out how to do that. Really? Without, yeah. This has been going on for how long now? Isn't it since March or April? Not the pandemic, so, the cubes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Pandemic's been going on since like March. It's been a while. Right, 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 We're right. We're finally starting to see combat, try to combat the virus. So it's interesting. Combat the virus? Yeah, as a country? Yeah. Finally started. You're talking about with our new president? Yeah. Really thinking about it? Supposedly the previous president had no plan in place for vaccines or for social distancing and stuff so yeah i think he doesn't have much plan in place for anything 
related to you the know, well-being of you the know people. You know how we like calling uh, Republicans who don't support him Renos, Republican in name only? We should call mm-hmm. him a Pino, president in name only. Because he just wants to be president. I don't think he actually, he just wants to be president and further things and Republicans love him, I think, because they were able to quietly push their own agendas when they had a majority in Congress, um, uh, the Senate, the House of Representatives and him president just like signing things because they would appease him. So he would sign things for them. Wow, that's so wild that they would push their own agenda to the detriment of all morality. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Mm. It's not surprising. Very interesting. Did I tell you about the cab ride? I wrote a blog post about this, but you know, I took a cab ride home from a supermarket where I did find some vegetables under $5 a pound and made sure I bought them. And in this cab ride, there was this young guy who was heading to the airport and I asked what he was doing at the airport and it turns out he's from a small fishing village called St. Michael's and his village had caught a whale and when they catch a whale the whole village eats and they celebrate and use Mm -hmm. every aspect of it and they were sending him some of the whale meat by bearing air to the airport and he was so sorry he wasn't there for the celebration and I had to kind of grapple with my vegan colonized vegan white self that these people have been sea mammal hunting for the last 10,000 years and they're subsisting on it using the mammal or the animal in a million different ways to get the most that they possibly can for their benefit and then sending whatever's left back to the sea and thanking them and I realized that I couldn't actually use my brand of veganism because the exploitation we do is very different in order to judge them. Well, that's a pretty big rant. No, yeah, I, I, I completely understand what you're saying. I think that they're living off, I think that's a very, the indigenous population, populations live off of the land the same way they've been doing for many years. And I think the traditional views of veganism, because they're not exploiting animal or exploiting the animal in the same way. It's, it's not only about the farming practices, I, obviously, but this is the way their village has survived for, as you said, 10,000 years. And there's something nice about that. And that's what they've learned to do. Whereas mainstream colonized society views animals more as, oh, this is food. This is money. This is how I get this. This is how to cut costs out to do this. Nobody's celebrating. The, yeah, it's a commodity. It's not a celebration. Nobody celebrates the chicken that gets sacrificed. Uh, they worked very hard. I'm sure they hunted the whale with the same techniques they probably had for a while. Yes, they might have some advanced, so a little more advancement now. I have no idea what's going on in that village, obviously. Mm. But might have a little bit more technology advances than they did 10,000 years ago. I would, I would assume so. But they're not taking speedboats and huge-ass nets and then taking it and viewing it purely as a commodity, the whale. Right. I mean, I think that that is part of the agriculture that they use in order to make a living and to feed the society, but there's not a lot of abuse with it. And they're feeding their own society too. They're catching what they need and using it for what they need. They're not catching it mass, mass catching whales and then shipping it out to everybody. They're satisfying their own needs. They're viewing it 
less it still is a commodity in the way that it's an item that needs to be that's going to be eaten and used it is a valuable commodity for their community but it's not i feel it's an appreciation of the animal and really knowing what the animal and what they're using it for rather than give me this whale i'm going to hunt that whale i'm going to sell it for all it's worth Right. And then I'll use a small portion of it mm-hmm. and then get rid of the rest without just, even just thinking. sell it all for profit. Yeah. Interesting. So, so, it, so my views about veganism definitely have to be somewhat flexible and fluid. And even though I'm absolutely sure why I'm vegan and will continue to be, I understand why some people aren't and well, can't be. I think that this is an opportunity to shift your ideas of veganism because maybe the idea of veganism that you have is the way you want it to be and the way you think is right, but it doesn't apply to the scenario because you're the, I think the veganism that you, the reason why I believe in is you just don't want to stop the exploitation of the animals and the, right. it's mainly the exploitation, whereas this doesn't really feel as much as an exploitation as the animal, the animal is not viewed as a commodity. It's not treated in a certain way. They caught it using their own things to survive for themselves. If people caught the animal to survive, that's different. This is the same way people have been living forever. And when people say, when people try to defend being a omnivore or a carnivore, not being eating meat, they say this is the way people have survived for those 10,000 years, the same one but they're doing it the same way they survived the 10,000 years, the way that they needed to, that they need to, and that they have needed to this whole time. Whereas other people are eating meat because it's convenient or because right, they right. believe They're a certain thing. On it. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. So it, it's been really interesting. The other yeah. part is that well, it's the gonna... food that actually comes into the villages, you know, are part of some contract. And I think it was a tribal consortium that came up with the contract, but the food that gets to the villages, if it can get to the villages, because mm-hmm. the villages are not easily accessible, definitely not by land, have to be by air. And if the weather's bad, they can't get there. But the food there is really just not nutritious and horrible. So sometimes there are just some canned foods, crackers, and soda. So I think that the whale for them is actually the best quality food that they could have as a village and as a group. So as a doctor, I keep thinking about like what will keep my patients in this village as healthy as possible. The other thing I was thinking about is that maybe I can introduce some things like maybe I could start bringing hydroponic crops there or container crops or something, you know, that might be able to supplement because they're being supplemented by things that are unhealthy that I can supplement with healthy things. And I think that would be useful. I agree, but I don't think it's your place to force it. So I think you can introduce and try to try to introduce it and try to change some habits, but you shouldn't force people who, have been living the same way forever. I think I think it's I think what you have is a good idea. It also depends on where you get your crops from because you don't want to introduce anything that could potentially harm the crops that are already there. I guess if it's inside within a thing, within its own container, then then maybe it I don't know how pests and stuff, how diseases within plants work uh mm. well. I just know that you can't bring them from different countries on airplanes because they're worried that it'll fuck up the native population 
interesting. Yeah, there's nothing that, that grows there. The only thing that tends to grow, especially in the tundra behind my house, and I'm not sure on these particular villages, are lots of different kinds of berries that people mm. gather over that time when you can berry pick. Okay. And they either freeze it, turn it into jam, or ferment it. So, and those berries have a tremendous amount of nutrients in them. Yeah. Uh, but also... Well, you're also going to learn a lot more when you go, because when do you go? You go soon, right? Well, I'm leaving tomorrow morning for a village that's actually not my village. This village is called Teller. Mm -hmm. And Teller is one of the only villages that are accessible by the road, even though you can't get there now because of the harsh weather conditions. Okay. And the problem with being accessible by the road is that they actually come into town often and buy alcohol. So it's not a dry village. A mm. lot of these villages are dry. And so the amount of alcoholism, depression, uh, mm. domestic abuse and so on is really high in that particular village. And that's where I'll be tomorrow. But my village is called Shishmaref, which is only available by air. And Shishmaref. I'll be going there. Yeah, Shishmaref, which is the Russian name for this village. Mm. And I don't know exactly what it means. The Anupiak name is different. And I'm going to find all that out. Anupiak the language, the main language. Yeah, yeah. So... I, I, I'm sure that I will find out a lot more mm -hmm. when I go. Yeah. I was also thinking about how many uses a whale could have for a community that doesn't get many things from different places. Because nowadays we can get light from, well, we have electricity. I'm, I don't know how much electricity there are in these villages, but we, can get, we get lights, we get firewood, we have lighters, whereas they probably use the blubber to start fires and heat homes and yes. And there's so much there's there. no running water use... in that village. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then you could obviously you could eat the meat, but you could also use the. Okay, maybe I'm thinking a little too primitive here. No, I don't know you, if they use the bones. the bones. I don't know if they. I don't know if they use the bones as weapons and stuff. I'm. We'll find out in a week, though. Exactly, unless they they might not have a whale there at the time, but. I, well, I'm not going to that island with the whale. This was yeah. somebody I met in the cab. So he was he was getting the meat from St. Michael's and I'm not going to be at St. Michael's. But I think that they use the bones because you're right. They don't necessarily need them as weapons unless they can somehow sharpen them enough to actually use them as knives. I was thinking knives, mate, yeah. Yeah, but I think that they do actually carve the bones and that's part of their industry. Okay. And then they're using the, you know, kind of the whale skin. I know that they use seal skins and I've seen a lot of this because people are wearing some traditional garb, especially mm -hmm. with their catches, but they're using seal skins for boots, hmm. uh, different types of fur around a coat and so on. And these are people using it for own, their own commodity. I think it's very different than somebody who says, let's say, takes those seal skins and then mass produces some type of clothing line with seal skin. Boots, though I'm sure that would do very well. Uh, don't take my ideas. I'm just a, not saying it's a good <laughs> idea to have, but right, could be comfy. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Am I Terrible. going to buy yeah. a pair of this? No. Would you buy a I pair actually... of that? No. No, because I have other choices, okay. and so I'm able to use those choices, and I've actually what, done really well at keeping warm. Yes. What if the village you go to gives you a pair of seal skin boots? That is a good question. Or more than likely, they'll offer me some food to try. Oh, yeah. They're going to bow. Wow. They're going to say, you're going to have to decline their offer of seal meat. And I don't know if there's whale meat or seal meat, but. I'm not sure. 
I'll have to see. Have you tried seal or whale before? You tried whale before, right? I had whale blubber ice cream when I was in a native hospital in Anchorage 26 years ago. Yeah. I was wondering if any time back then. It was funny. So I was thinking about food that's been had for a long time. It makes me think of food, comfort food, like from your childhood. You know, mm-hmm. so you know where this is going. The great transition. I was reading the New York Times and saw a really interesting article about people searching for food that they used to have when they were mm-hmm. young. I think, I think that's what, where comfort food came to be, right? Comfort food is food that reminds you of home and mm-hmm. stuff that people have been eating for a, a long time. Right. Not sure if that's the exact definition, but that's why comfort food in each culture is very different. Mm-hmm. In America, when we think of comfort food, I tend to think of Southern food. Mm. That's, that's really interesting. I don't know what you think. I'm talking about like purely when I think of my own comfort food, I don't necessarily think of Southern food. But when I think of comfort food, I think of Southern food, like mac and cheese, fried chicken. Right. I don't know mm. what comes to mind for you. Why do you think that's become comfort food? Is it the... The, the fat or the grease. Yeah, it feels like grease is the definition of comfort. Mm-hmm. I think people like think about chicken pot pies, which don't have that as too. much grease. Grease, I think, but think still is considered comfort. But comfort food is more what makes you feel comfortable. It's more what you ate when you were young to come up. I was thinking about what comfort food would be like for me, and we're going to go back to it. It's chicken feed, obviously, because <laughs> what did I eat growing up? My mom gave me feed of chicken. <laughs> actually tell them give them the backstory as to why you were eating chicken we loved feed. i was chicken not feed. making chicken feet at home she was making chicken feet at home she like no, went was... she went to the farms cut the feet off the chicken oh, and then roast. oh my god you're killing me so now you're killing the chicken <laughs> i i would not actually <laughs> she wouldn't do this we didn't we didn't do this but comfort food we live next to chinatown so that's why i think like dumplings for me are, are comfort food or we mm. live next to uh, we live next to a great Spanish Dominican restaurant, or we had a Dominican neighbor who would make mangu for Lily loved it in particular mm-hmm. back at um, uh, when we were really young. And it's the food that we ate. We ate the stuff that's in the neighborhood. So I think of mangu, I think of rice and beans, and I think of Chinese food. Yeah. That's my comfort food from Chinatown. Uh, right. You were growing up in a very different time with very different parents. What did you, what did you eat when you, were, when you were a kid? What was like your comfort food or your go-to? I, I was thinking about that because I didn't really have a comfort food. At the time when I was growing up, they were selling this idea that food needed to be fast, quick, and convenient. Mm-hmm. And so everything was a frozen dinner. Everything was something quickly made on the stove. So I, I don't, like for me, it would be a, you know, a half a chicken a boiled bag of success rice. And you don't, you don't know about these boiled bagged rice, but what would happen is they put this very quick cook rice, like minute rice in a bag. And what you do is you'd boil some water, throw the bag in, the bag would become ready. And then you would hang the bag. My mother would hang it on the faucet so that the water would drain out. And I would eat the rice from this bag of that's terrible. It was called success, right? That, but that's what we ate. Like everything was in the freezer. Everything was in a can. Everything was quickly bought, bought at the store, like an already made chicken. So Who I'd have to have chicken. that? Why did People this were looking tra- to make money. It was awful. It was absolutely awful with the idea that don't waste your time cooking. You don't need to waste that time anymore. Now you have all this free time. They did that with cleaning products too. That's how they bought off women. 
Hmm. They, they even did it with nursing. Like, don't nurse your child. This particular formula is better for them. Don't wow. be a slave to that thing. So there was hmm. a whole generation of people that were told that they had to make life as quick and convenient as possible in order to make money for people that are selling these products. And they also didn't, that generation. people didn't use that time to do anything. The dinners were made quickly so you could eat in front of the television. That's what right. the dinners are for. The dinners yes. weren't for you to have any time, extra time yourself. You were supposed to be doing stuff at home while it's like, oh, here's a luxury. You can eat this shit. Did your mom like it? Did people eat that and were like, this is decent? I think it was good enough. We had no expectation. I don't think I ever had a fresh vegetable growing up. I, well, it's also, it was harder. The world trade wasn't, you know, the global shipping economy wasn't the same as it was. It's harder to get fresh vegetables. Now we get vegetables in the supermarket all the time. Wait, I, I grew up in upstate New York. You there think? are tons of farms there. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, it's not like being in Nome, Alaska. Okay. There were farms. They really, they made sure that your taste buds were hijacked by things that were incredibly concentrated and addictive. Hmm. We were eating tons of sugar, tons of refined carbohydrates. It was crazy. Lots of salt, meat and salt. But yeah. I can't really argue. I don't know. So, I mean, right. that's unlucky. There were other people who lived in different households and like, cause I was looking at, there was actually a Reddit post on this recently mm-hmm. uh, on ask um, about people who lived in the fifties or sixties or seventies growing up. What did they, was the food as bad as it really seemed? And some people were like, yeah, this is exactly what you're saying. Some people were like, we're saying, Oh, my family was Italian. We got meatballs. We got pasta. We get. Oh, I hit my microphone. <laughs> I like the way you said that with an Italian accent, too. Meatball. I got meatballs. I got pasta. Oh, I don't know if I was. Eh. Meatballs. <laughs> I love meatballs. I was looking at Rao's. I have a place I want to go to. This is a dream. Rao's in Manhattan, if you've ever heard of it. It's got eight tables. I was watching this on Top Chef. We watching Top Chef with Carla because you know she's on Worst Cooks in America now. Love Carla. Have you and, seen an episode of that yet? Yeah, Has I have. That- I saw two. There's probably another one out now. I'll probably watch it later. I, I mean, today's a it. football day. Sunday's my lazy day. It's mm. for uh, yeah, lazy day. Mm. Uh, but well, I, I do this and so watch. Football. I love doing this with you. Exactly. Yay. Uh, but. Yeah, so Rayo's, they had a meal at Rayo's, which is this tiny place, and they have no reservations. You have to, people literally own the tables, and it's passed down from generations. This this really old place. It's the hardest place to get into, people say, in New York City. Now, I don't know what Where vegan options. It? It's on the Upper East Side. I think it's in Harlem on the East Side. Interesting. Yeah, uh, I don't know what vegan options they have. Uh, Italian mm. cooking, especially uh, especially Maine, it's, Classic Italian cooking does not have many vegan options. Mm. Uh, it's on 114th Street on the east side. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Cool. Upper east side. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Anyways, I really I think you were right there. about that being Harlem, by the way. I that's think Harlem, that's already right? a little bit higher than the yeah. Upper east side. Definitely. So, so for me, my food comfort foods were high in the neighborhood. So when we wanted to go out, we would go to Dem Sum. I, I can't remember who brought us there. Was it uh, Celine and Awa and... Dave, I don't know why I think it was done, but somebody brought us to this place in Chinatown. Uh, dim sum places. Dim sum are the small plates that you get. 
Uh, I think we talked about this in the past. Probably not recently, though. It's, it's little play. It's a la carte. You play by the play. The play we, place we went to, which was great. They, again, on Top Chef, they had a dim sum episode with people walking around with carts, and they failed. The chefs failed miserably. Wow. Because <laughs> they couldn't put out food fast enough. Mm. Uh, mm. But I pushed it out on the carts, and I can't rem- And we tried everything there. That is where we really tried everything. There was chicken feet, clams, snails, uh, tripe. Yeah, non-vegan stuff. Right. You guys were incredibly adventurous eaters, especially for young people, which and I, made it really wonderful to travel with you. Exactly, exactly. And that helped with us because there were so many different places around our house with different types of food. That that was the blessing of growing up on the Lower East Side or, or in Manhattan in general. There's different cultures every 20 blocks or Right. Well, when we were homeschooling, I don't, I don't know who it is that brought you originally dim sum, but I've known of dim sum forever. And I speak yeah. Mandarin. Well, well you know of dim sum, but the, the place that we went to, I don't know. If you I, went originally there. we went to Jean Fung, which was on Elizabeth street. And then we started going to the AAA palace, which is yeah. under the Manhattan bridge. Very, very loud there. The train would go over. You mm-hmm. would have to go inside and then up the escalators. And we were pretty much the only white people there or non. That's how you know it's good. There. Yeah, <laughs> it's how you know it's really good. Yes, yes, yes. You, but, but you guys are great eaters. Mm. Yeah, and I can't remember who tried it, but I, I'm also if you're not vegan, I'm all for adventurous eating because there there's no difference between if you're eating the chicken nuggets, well, you're eating the same thing in a chicken foot. Right. So what you're saying <laughs> is don't waste your don't, lack of exactly. veganism on something that you've eaten a million times yeah. and that you can get anywhere. Try something different Try it, and, and then you can justify it to Exactly. Us. And mm. if you're vegan, well, try different vegan things. Like it might be crazy, but it's probably pretty tasty. I don't know. It's harder to be as adventurous vegan wise, but I guess you can try anything. So. You, you can. We go to a vegan dim sum place, which has the best roast pork that I've ever eaten. And in my mind, roast and maybe, pork in quotation marks, in quotation marks. So in my mind, I think it tastes just like the roast pork that I had eaten before. Now, is that because I haven't eaten it in three and a half years? Oh. And it does it taste like it because you have. A, I don't a, think vegan roast pork. Experience. I don't think it. I don't think it tastes exactly like it. It tastes really good. But I don't think vegan roast pork is what I, what I mean by adventurous vegan roast pork is not adventurous in the way people would think chicken feet is adventurous. Well, people think that the vegan roast pork is adventurous because it challenges what they believe roast pork is. So I, when I went with somebody who was not vegan and I said, this is vegan roast pork, they were like freaking out. They thought, oh, that's weird. I don't think I can eat that. What am I doing? And then I said, get some perspective. So you think that eating muscle, tendon, and bone and blood is not weird. And this is weird. This is made from plants. So it's a perspective, whether you think something is weird or not. That's not what I meant. I didn't mean mean? for a non-vegan person to eat the vegan food. I meant for a vegan person eating vegan roast pork is probably not that adventurous. Imagine if we had vegan uh, gooey duck or vegan chicken feet. I have no idea what gooey duck tastes like. I just picked some random ass shit. But if we had vegan scorpions, I mean... That is one of the things that I, I didn't try it when we went to China. They have scorpions on a stick. They, don't worry, the stinger's cut off. I, I still don't know how I would have eaten that. Mm. I low-key would want to maybe try. I would maybe break veganism. I mean, it's my choice of what I do. So I maybe would eat, choose to eat something that's not vegan if it's really, really exotic. Or something that I wouldn't have the opportunity to try. Because 
I appreciate trying new things. I wouldn't want to be eat something I already have. I don't need that. But like eating a scorpion. Now that that kind of excites me. Yeah, you get excited by things. I get excited by that type of thing, but I also get excited by comfort food. And I was thinking about that. Uh, And chicken feast delicious. We talk about that sometimes. Decent amount. We've actually talked a lot about avocados recently. My last two episodes are named after avocados. We're coming in an avocado podcast, which (laughs) not going to name this episode where we come in the avocado podcast. I'll figure something else. Well, I remember the avocado, avocado and avocado don't. Yeah, we got three episodes after uh, named after avocado. (laughs) Avocado. So we're like avocado people. Uh, Typical millennial vegan, you know, avocado. But so I was reading this article and made me think about also because this person's vegan. So this person in Savannah, first of all, she's from Savannah, Georgia. We love Savannah, Georgia. It's really a, a fun, beautiful uh, town, that's for sure. It's a great town. Uh, they have ghost tours. <laughs> uh, they have lots of chocolate candy shops. They have a baseball team, a minor league team called the Savannah Sand Nets. Uh, that's true. It's just a nice place to walk around. It's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, but, but they also have those little parks. Yeah, they, so they have every, squares. Every street and neighborhood has a square that's particular mm-hmm. for that neighborhood. I and I think that's probably, for me, the nicest part of Savannah. Yeah, it's, but it's a really pretty town. Uh, yeah. And this was about Savannah. Uh, and it was about Jewish rye and how she kept chasing Jewish rye. Mm. And... She also is vegan because she said she used to have the rice with uh, with corned beef for like butter or something. And now she has tempeh rubens, which makes me really want to make tempeh rubens now. Mm-hmm. So I got mm-hmm. some tempeh and got some rye bread. Mm-hmm. And I also got some sauerkraut. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be rubens. And any I don't, vegan cheese? I did not get vegan. It? I only have mozzarella, so mm, I'm supposed to have Swiss. Like a, yeah. A Reuben. yeah, That's okay. I got to make my own Thousand Island dressing too. I have sour mm. cream, but I don't have uh, mayonnaise, but... Mm, similar vegan mayonnaise yeah i have the vegan sour cream so Mm, that'll be interesting because i think that'll be different are you going to throw in some ketchup or some relish or is that how you're going to make it with the i don't know i'm gonna do the sour cream it does have a different flavor profile totally totally we're thinking about it so i was thinking Mm. i was just thinking about comfort food Mm. and uh how you kept chasing it and i think that's really awesome how she went back and it reopened for a little bit and then she went back and just Made me think of home and comfort food. Like, there's a Jewish deli, vegan person, Savannah, Georgia. Mm. Interesting. It hits for me. Hits for yeah. me. Yeah. It was cool. So, and was, yeah. You know did you want to figure out how to recreate your vegan chicken feet? Like, is that, yeah. is that what you're thinking? The vegan chicken, but also with the vegan dim sum. There are ways people worry, I think that if you're vegan, you can't have the comfort food that you desire. Mm. And that's just not true. That is- there are lots of people that are really trying to recreate vegan comfort mm-hmm. food, mm-hmm. food that somehow will mimic what it is that people want to do. Of course, anything could be considered comfort food. It's the most broad term. I mean, that's why I was saying when I think of comfort food, I think of this. And right. I, what, right. what, you never said what you do think of when you think of comfort food. You said you don't think of your parents cooking, obviously. But Right, as comfort food. I, I mean, I like food that has a high fat content that mm-hmm. is really, really filling. Like, I just, I do like mac and cheese. I do like chicken pot pies. But, but I think when I go out for the vegan dim sum, when we order the chicken corn soup, I feel very oh, comforted yeah. by that. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't have a tradition. Like, do I have a comfort food on a different holiday? Like I'm missing brisket. I'm missing Simmus. I'm missing stuff on different holidays. (laughs) Simmus? That we made. Yeah. Simmus? Simmus is good. Simmus is carrots glazed with a sweet sauce and raisins. That is what (laughs) Simmus is. It is, I I, I'm not. A, I'm not a turkey. I'm not a big fan of Simmus. Mm, interesting. Yeah, but you don't feel a desire for that. You no. say you miss it, but you don't feel the desire for it, which is no. something that's shifted. And and there are many options for you to have that. I was just wondering what broad food. Yeah. So do you, so do you find turkeys as comfort food necessarily, or and not anymore. I mean, clearly, like you said, I don't yeah. have the desire anymore. And I've been working on decreasing desire for things that are actually not good for me because mm-hmm. kind of deciding to white knuckle and resist only makes me want something more. Okay. So, so losing desire for things that are not good for me is actually the helpful way in which I so, so food is one of those things that mm-hmm. I am losing desire for certain foods. Like I don't have the desire for candy and chocolate anymore. So it's not hard for me to be around it. I got Dijon mustard. I could put on my tempeh, Ruben. Ooh, that I, would be I could perfect. Anyways, talk about things we desire. You do, do you know what I desire? <laughs> what do you desire? Uh, for my listeners, love you guys, to please <laughs> like, subscribe. Like, you desire to get high. Review. <laughs> I do desire. We're not talking about this. We're oh my god! It's not. We talked about that last episode. We did. We did. We talked about drugs about almost we, every. Episode. We don't talk about drugs. You brought it up this time, okay? I don't think I was going to say about drugs because they remind me of something that we were maybe going to talk about because they're really crazy. Octopuses. What the fuck is an octopus? Like those <laughs> things are crazy. Like those things. Like like that's it. I was. That's what I was going to be like. You know, it's really tricky. Trippy octopuses, the way their bodies are, the way they fucking think. Because of my octopus teacher, we we're talking about that. We'll talk about that next week. We're almost done here, actually. It's been like, 30, are we really? It's been like 33 minutes. We really? Went really? Fast. We were going to talk about my octopus teacher, though. We were going to, but we could talk about fantastic it documentary next time. That. It was very slow. I don't know if I loved it, but fantastic oh documentary. Uh, we're going to do it, but I do have some things to say here, anyways. Uh, but please like, subscribe, review, comment, uh, rate, rate. It was. If you enjoy the podcast, if you don't, fuck it. Give I don't a know five what I star want. rating. Yeah, exactly. We're like the Uber drivers, you know, that don't talk if yeah. you don't like us, or you just play us on mute and then give us five stars. And it'll be <laughs> play us perfect. on mute. If you don't like us, play like us on that mute. One. Yes, play us on Give-us mute. Things. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I desire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was gonna talk about yeah. So next time we'll talk about my octopus teacher and zoos and all that good stuff. Mm. Maybe. Maybe Possibly. or maybe not. We'll or start talking not. about something else. We have a new president, by the way. We do have we a new president. And, and last week was Martin Luther King Jr. Day when this came out, and I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I completely forgot. And I'm Hank Aaron died. Mm. Hank Aaron, uh, MLB home run king for about thirty years. Wow. Uh, his record was broken by Barry Bonds, who took steroids. It's like an asterisk, but Hank Aaron is a legendary figure and. He went through a lot. He came up. He was the last player to play in the Negro Leagues and the MLB. Wow. So. Wow. Yeah. It was really incredible. Mm. Uh, 
there's not much to say about Hank Aaron besides how fucking amazing he is. So you were almost named Hank Aaron. Greenberg, I know. By the way. I was almost. Yeah. That my been dad a lot to always says that would have been funny. It's funny. <laughs> I I haven't told my friends that I should. But you should definitely tell them that. Yeah. You know, just because that would have been not all named of them care about his baseball. grandpa. That's the thing. Mm. So. But they they care about hockey. Is there anybody that you know <laughs> they particularly like? I uh, excuse me. You uh, okay. Drink no, water. yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> I drink some water. Uh, no, there's not really a Greenberg in hockey. Greenbergs yeah. don't play hockey. They play baseball no. down there. I don't yeah. know. It's mainly a... Or maybe. Maybe Greenbergs play hockey. Maybe there's a Greenberg who plays hockey. I'm not sure. But Martin Luther King Jr. Day was last week uh, on the 19th. and Was it the 19th? No, it was last Monday, whenever that was, which would be the 18th. Mm. But I completely forgot about you. Another guy. Thank you, Martin Luther King Jr. for everything you did. Uh, yeah. Controversial figure. Nobody ever says how controversial he was. Like there are people who don't, who didn't like him, who didn't support him. A lot of people who didn't, a lot of black people who didn't. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Why do you think they didn't support him? Like what was the thinking? Was that more of a Malcolm X, you know, has to be a little bit more. It, it, there's many ways of thinking that don't support. I just, I'm, I know that some black people did not support the way Martin Luther King Jr. did it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think everybody loves his legacy and what he did and stuff, but mm-hmm. He was a very controversial figure at the time. Mm-hmm. People don't recognize that. And so he persevered through a lot. And not everybody's like, people are like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Yeah. And yeah. he did it. So thank you, Martin Luther King Jr. He uh, did it pretty, pretty selflessly. Like he knew that yeah. he was a target. And yeah. that he could easily and probably would get killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's mm-hmm. that. Anything else? Not particularly. Uh, oh, another thing I was going to say is uh, for everybody who follows me on Instagram and saw my post, uh, we are almost coming up on 40 days. In five days, it'll be 40 days from when we started the meditation um, uh, to balance impulses and reactions. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's been 40 days since that. Uh, it's been 35 days. On uh, five more days, it'll be 40 days. And 40 days is how long these Kundalini meditations go on for. Uh, practices. I mean, we could do it longer, but I was thinking maybe we'll pick a new one and we'll do 40 days of a different Kundalini meditation. Uh, And I would hope that you guys could join me. And meditation is a thing that's hard to, it's easy to do, but hard to think about doing. Because people think, in my opinion, that's the way it is. Because when I think about meditating, I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to stay in place for a while. I'm going to have to, I can't do it. What if I'm not able to do it? And the answer to that is, you just have to fucking sit there. And if you, you sit there to the best of your ability, there's no wrong way to meditate. If you meditate- There's absolutely no wrong way to meditate. It, whatever happens with your chatter of your mind. Exactly. Yeah. But you're just there trying to focus your mind and, and there's no wrong way to do it. But it's hard to bring yourself to realize there's no wrong way to do it because you see all these people meditating and they're just fucking sitting there. I hate sitting still. Well, I don't mind it as much anymore, but lots of people hate sitting still. It's hard to sit still. And people are like, oh, I'll be up every five seconds. I'll be walking around. But no. Every If you do that every five seconds, that's fine. It's the intention. Right. It's just sitting there. It's doing as much as you possibly can. And that's it. Don't, the only, you're holding yourself back there. And meditation is very powerful. Right. But, and such an interesting opportunity to actually watch your mind work and mm-hmm. become curious about it and interested as to why it is that you're thinking whatever you're thinking without judgment on it. 
Yeah. And that is the glory of meditating. If you could know your mind and sit with your mind and understand it, then you could be clear about why it is you do things and how you might have to shift something to change it if you need mm -hmm. to. And you only do that by quieting something down. Mm -hmm. How have you liked this meditation? Like, how's that uh, been for you, Adam? I, this meditation I thought was better because we switched halfway through. So I thought it was mm -hmm. easier. I've been able to do it really well. I've missed a couple days, but, mm -hmm. you know, it happened. Uh, and you don't have to do every day, all 40 days straight. You do it to the best of your ability and that's it. Right. Cause you know, when you get there, you had to do whatever you needed to do in order to get to that point, even if it were miss a couple of days. Mm -hmm. So don't yeah. believe the thought that if you miss something that you've ruined it and can't get back to it. That's what usually will stop people from continuing on towards your goal, whether it be weight loss or a business or whatever it is. And I think meditation is a good thing and we're going to choose a fairly short one. So it's probably going to be around an eight to 11 minute meditation. We also do a three minute addiction meditation, but that's a thing that if you do every day, you can start getting more into a routine and it will help build your other patterns as well. Because once you start building patterns and you do that, then it's easier to do other patterns. It might not seem like a lot. And even if you meditate once a week or if you meditate, every other day or however often you do or once a month even though so it's not great if you meditate once a month but if that's all you can do that's all you can do and that's okay right, but join adam and do it and me. i meditate every morning yeah mm -hmm. join him just hang and, out with him and meditate and and on his instagram tell him what you're thinking about and how yep. that's going adam also sent me something related to a business that he's trying to start did you want to talk about that at all or even just no, no, I'm going to flush it out more, a little bit more, but okay. Yeah. I have That's a, uh, you know, we can talk about it. I have a business that I'm trying to be an emotion coach for young men and I have a rough draft and I have a bunch of notes on what I'm thinking about and I'm going to flesh it out, but I need people to work with. I need to get clients. If any listeners know anybody who, and of course this will be all free to start with, uh, uh, while I learn and have clients and try to pick up people and then grow my business and we'll see how this goes. It's going to use a lot of counseling techniques, but it's also going to be me working together with the person and going with the emotions. I think men's emotions are criminally, oh, they're not used as much. I think maybe I'll get Catherine on to talk about emotions again. Yeah, that'd I think that'd be great. But, but a, you guys, your emotion emotions person. are stopped very early on. Mm -hmm. Men, Even men's with emotions. simple phrases like boys don't cry or whatever it is, that you have to keep the emotions down so that you could fulfill whatever your role as oppressor in society is, whether it go to war, whether it uh, be the person that's um, in, in politics or power or something. So somebody who has to do that type of thing needs as few emotions as possible, or you wouldn't be able to do the bidding of that kind of societal need as a man. Yep. Did I explain uh, that well? Pretty well. That's about okay. men's emotions not being told to, yeah, men aren't told to show emotions. Uh, right. It's pretty simple. And I want to help men show emotions and it might be more comfortable doing that with me, hopefully, or hopefully people will be comfortable. And I know do a lot of work on this. I want to help people work through it. And I'm more, I also want to build a connection with people that I work with and stuff and, thank you know, you. help people. So that's important to me. So thank you all for listening. And yeah, I hope you guys have a good week. Yeah. And, rate, review. Mm -hmm. Follow me on Instagram at Reluctant Vegan Sun. Uh, your blog is... 
My blog is, is at drnickynarodin.com. Okay. And I'm doing a blog about, you know, I'm the only vegan Jewish doc star in Nome, Alaska, and just my experience. How many Jewish people? In Nome. There are a couple of other doctors, but that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. I okay. think I'm the only vegan in town, though. <laughs> Sounds sure. good. Okay, yeah. bye, everybody. We love you All guys. Right, bye. We love you.